Well, a week ago Thursday, I don't know where you were, but a certain event was set in motion. Anybody know what that certain event was? Come on, friends. I know UK's not in it, but what was it? March Madness. That's right. Now, I understand for the first time in new ways why this is called madness, because it is madness, isn't it? When number two seed Ohio State is defeated by number 15 seed or Roberts. Truth be told, you're probably not surprised at this, I really never have cared much about March Madness. Like a bracket for me was something you put on the wall, a seed was something you put into the ground. But not anymore, because four years ago, when Pastor Brian arrived on the scene, not only did he bring health to our church and our community, he also brought the gift of fun for our staff. What you need to know, I know, that's, that is, that's worth applauding. What you need to know is that our pastor loves games and friendly competition, which makes being on staff really, really fun. Well, Brian began a competition that first year around March Madness, and you may know I am actually the current reigning holder of the Golden Shoe Award, and I am the longest ever holding holder of this award because we didn't have March Madness last year. But all this to say that events have starting points, a kickoff day, where things are set into motion. And this, like Josh said, is Palm Sunday. And in the Christian calendar, it is recognized as the event that set into motion what we call Passion Week. Passion Week is the seven days of Christ's journey to the cross, into a tomb, and back out again. That's next week. Let me tell you how significant this Passion Week is in the Bible. It is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you put together and, and counted up all the chapters in those four Gospels, do you know how many chapters there are? 89. 89 chapters in all four Gospels. 85 of those chapters are given to the last three years of Jesus' life, and 29 chapters of those 85 is given to this last week of Jesus' life. That's how significant it is. And today, Palm Sunday, the first day, set Passion Week into motion, and it begins with Jesus on a road, our series. The road is from the Mount of Olives down into the city of Jerusalem. We're going to go to the book of John to read the account. It's on all four Gospels. We already, we've already learned that. But John gives half of his book, half of his letter to this last week in Jesus' life. So we're going to go to him. You can go to lexcity.info. The notes are all there. Or open your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, the disciples did not understand all this, only after Jesus was glorified. Did I realize that these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him? Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. John begins by describing the crowd. And it's not just a crowd. What was it? A great crowd. As a matter of fact, usually in Jerusalem, there were about 50,000 people. But during this festival, the festival of Passover, when the people celebrated their deliverance, when God saved his people from slavery and bondage, it's this time in the calendar, this event, the crowd now is 150,000 people, so it's tripled. And this road trip that Jesus took on Palm Sunday is also referred to the triumphal entry. Have you heard that before? The triumphal entry. Now, I'm not sure what you think of when you think about like a triumphal entry, but I was trying to think, I don't know, I kind of think of like WWF, not that I watch that either, but... Um, you know how they make these like grand entrances? I thought about that, or I thought about like the football team and how they burst through the banner and there's smoke and the cheerleaders are cheering. Listen, this triumphal entry was none of that for Jesus. So I started thinking and asking myself for us today, then like what made it triumphal? If it was that, a triumph, then what does it mean for you and me today? So that's the question we're going to answer. What makes the triumphal entry triumphal? And I learned three things that I want to share with you from our text today. The first is this. What makes the triumphal entry triumphal is that Jesus publicly declares himself as Messiah. Now, for most of his ministry, Jesus did everything he could to discourage people from bringing, bringing this identity to light. He did everything he could to discourage them from publicly identifying or celebrating him as the Messiah. You know how it would go. He would heal someone. And what would he say? All right, go. But what? Don't tell anybody. Or maybe he would deliver someone, powerful encounter, and yet he would say, keep this between us. And then he would add this line, because my time has not yet come. But that changes on this road. Now his time has come, and the time is now. 
And now he invites this public acknowledgement and this public praise, and he declares himself as the Messiah. Verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting what? Hosanna! Anybody know what that means? Hosanna? When I looked at it, I would have, if you would have asked me that question on a Sunday morning, I would have said, I think it means praise God or something like that. That's not what it means. Hosanna has a Hebrew origin, the Old Testament language origin to it. And Hosanna means save us. Save us now, the tense is. Save us. Save us now. Anybody said those words recently to God? Anybody had those words be the prayer of your heart? If so, those were desperate times, right? We know that prayer. The crowd goes on, though, to say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Now, here's what you need to know. This was not some random welcome they sort of came up with. Then again, a group said, let's just say this. This was them quoting scripture from the Old Testament that they would know by memory. Much like for us as 21st century Christians, like we have several key verses that even if we really don't go to church that much, we know these verses, you know, for God so what? Right? So you've got it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and what? Yep. These are verses that we know by heart. Well, the Jews would have had several verses in the same way committed to memory. And Psalm 118, which is where the verses we just read come from, would have been one of those verses. So let's go to Psalm 118 and see what they would have memorized. Starting in verse 25, Psalm 118 says, save us. The Hebrew word, Hosanna. We pray, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you back up and read Psalm 118, the Israel people would know the context of what this cry of save us was in the middle of. Look at it with me, verse 21. I thank you for I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And then it goes on. The next verse is, is a, a phrase from a song maybe you sung in children's church growing up or in a youth group. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. The day they were talking about is the day where the Messiah would come, the cornerstone that would be rejected. But they, that day had not yet come when Psalm 118 was written. It was prophesied. But here it is. Here it is, hundreds of years later, Jesus coming in, and they're declaring, this is the day the Lord has made. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us. 
And do you know what Luke 19 says about this same encounter? Jesus said, you know what? Because this is the day, if they had not cried out, the stones would have shouted it. Because it was spoken of God years and years before. It would be true in that day that the Messiah would come. So why does that matter to you? Why does that matter to me? It matters because we need a Messiah. We need a Savior. And I wonder where it is in your life that you are crying out, Hosanna, save me. Save me now. Good news, friend. This is the day the Lord has made. Your Messiah has come. He has come. And that makes this triumphal entry triumphal. But not just that. But also because Jesus identifies himself as king. As king. Now... If you're reading in your Bibles, which I encourage you to do, or you're looking on your app at this scripture, and you're in the international, New International Standard Version, you're going to notice something. The way they set out scripture is they have a title over sections of scripture to tell you, here's what you're going to read about. And if you look in all four Gospels, I have an example of what this looks like in the Bible. It has this title for us. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as who? As king. As king. Now, verse 15 says, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a throne. Your king is coming, I'm sorry, seated on a donkey's colt. That verse is also from the Old Testament. They are quoting again scripture from the Old Testament, bringing it to today. This is from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He goes on and describes his king. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, when I was doing my research, people way smarter than me started laying out this prophecy in extreme significant detail. And they show the significance of these verses being prophetically fulfilled. And here's what you need to know, because there's a lot you could read about it, but here's what it kind of boils down to. Jesus identifies himself as king on the exact day. This little pony jaunt into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey was predicted 500 years before it happened. And it was predicted on the exact day, April 6, 32 AD. That was the day that Jesus came in Jerusalem on the donkey. The exact day. Jesus just didn't randomly go, I think I'll get a donkey. And I think I'll ride into Jerusalem. No, 
he was intentionally, prophetically fulfilling scripture spoken about the Messiah and the King. Now that's for your head. Let's go to your heart, okay? How does the scripture speak to your heart? Don't miss the kind of king Jesus came to be. A king who comes in peace. Not a warrior king who comes to dictate and fight and defeat. And how is that symbolized? Because he came on a what? On a donkey. On a donkey. And a donkey was symbolic of peace. When kings entered a city in those times and they wanted to offer the city peace, they rode on a donkey. When kings would enter a town either after battle or to declare war as a sign of authority and power, do you know what they would ride? A horse. Now make no mistake, there will be a day when Jesus saddles up a horse. Revelation 19 says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. But on this day, the triumphal entry day, Jesus came on a young donkey, a symbol of peace to all. Humble, gentle, the king of peace. And I wonder today where you might need peace. Where do you need peace in your life? Where do you need the prince of peace to ride in? Behold, your king is coming. Sit it on a donkey. And I kind of go, well, that's really not kind of how I would expect Jesus to, to come on a donkey. But I thought about how often I don't expect the peace of God to come into my life the way he rides in. Not as I expect. I certainly didn't expect his peace to come in my life through admitting to a room full of strangers 24 years ago that I was an alcoholic. But he came. I certainly didn't expect his peace to come through the painful journey of infertility and losing babies. But he came. I did not expect his peace to come in a hospice, hospital room when I said goodbye to my mom last year. But he came, and he will come for you. He is the prince of peace, and he rides into the place in your life and my life, sometimes not as we would expect, but just as we need. He is himself, Ephesians says our peace, the king of peace. And that makes it triumphal. Lastly, and a point that was kind of my surprise point 
uh, Laura Joe, who works back as on staff and is working doing the slides, said, kind of, what, what's the point that stood out for you today? And it was this one for me, that Jesus demonstrates for us how to live life fully when suffering is a part of the plan. Like, that's what makes this triumphal entry triumphal for me. I can look at Jesus' life and learn as he demonstrates for us how to live life fully when suffering was a part of the plan. Listen, I love to live by a plan. But you know what I don't like? I do not like suffering to be a part of that plan. Anybody else? But I'm in awe of the the way this scripture lays out prophetic revelation, the passage points to the Old Testament, bringing the New Testament together, that Jesus presented as Messiah and King. But this point struck me in the heart personally in a new way. The fact that Jesus, knowing full well where he was headed, that this road he was on would take him to the cross, He wasn't distracted by the pain and the suffering that lay ahead. He was present. Listen, it was on his mind from the beginning. When you read the Gospels and the story of Jesus, he knew this was coming. You go into John chapter 12 where we've been in the text. Just read down into verses 23. Jesus is going, the hour has come. For the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and die, it will not produce life. He said, verse 27, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come into this hour. He knew what was ahead, but where was he? He was present. You know it was on his mind. But here's what has me in awe. It was on his mind, but it didn't have power over his mind. How did he do it? How do you and I do it? We focus on the present. Jesus taught this all the time. And I think it's because Jesus knew it was the way to live life fully When all around him, things were swirling. To be present, to focus on the present. Matthew 6, 34, I'm sure comes to mind for you. Therefore, he said, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I heard someone else say it this way. Don't borrow today from what you think may be tomorrow's trouble. Isn't that good? Don't borrow today from what you think may be tomorrow's trouble. And that's a hard one for me. I so am drawn to the what if instead of what is right in front of me. I struggle personally with being present to the peace of God when I have things swirling around that I don't know how are going to work out in my life. 
my sponsor in AA gave me this great little pamphlet on acceptance, um, the way to serenity and peace of mind. And it says this, life is only this place, this time, and these people right here and now. This you can handle, at least for today. That's some good stuff. That's Jesus saying, don't borrow today trouble from tomorrow. Jesus said, I've told you these things in my life and about life so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. So we close with our last verse, verse 19. And it was kind of a stopper for me. It made me kind of sad. Let's look at it again. It says, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And I thought, really? That's their response to the triumphal entry and message that Jesus is King and Messiah, that he can save us? This is getting us nowhere? And then I thought, what will my response be today? I challenge you, what will your response be today? This is getting me nowhere? Listen, I promise you, as you allow the Holy Spirit to take this truth and intersect your life, it will get you somewhere. Hosanna is to be our response. Jesus, save us. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord for me today. Jesus, save us now. Because your king comes today, friends. Today your king comes riding on a donkey, not to dictate, but to deliver, because he is Messiah, your Messiah. He is king, and that's why the triumphal entry is triumphal. He came then, and he comes today to bring triumph to your life, exactly where you need it. Because he alone triumphs humility over pride, generosity over self-indulgence. He triumphs courage over the place in your life where you're bound in fear, kindness over bitterness, he can triumph sight over your spiritual blindness and freedom, I promise you, over your addiction. He can triumph acceptance of yourself over shame and light over darkness. He can triumph love over hatred. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. He can triumph life over death. And today... Your Messiah comes to you. 
offering you triumph. That's what we sang about the whole first 25 minutes. Let's not just sing about it. Let's believe it for our heart today, this Palm Sunday. Would you pray with me, please? And would you, in this moment of silence, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you from what you have heard? You just listen and respond to him. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to us words of truth. Where you are, Jesus, there is peace. And I speak peace in the name and the authority of Jesus. Where there's chaos and confusion in people's minds right now, wondering if you could really be who they just heard you are. God, will you come as the Prince of Peace now? Will you come and triumph over addictions, over anxiety, over illnesses, over broken marriages, over broken hearts? Will you come? Will you infuse us with the triumph that you rode in on Palm Sunday declaring and we declare together in our hearts, blessed are you, our King and our Messiah. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.